Hi, I'm Rob. Tale number 40, The Shoes. You might want to go listen to last year's Halloween episode before you listen to this episode. In that one, we had this experience where we worked at the golf course, me, Adam, and Josh. You know, and we did like our little investigation. And when we refer to a past incident as the stairs, that's what we're referring to. The thing that happened at the golf course in the cart barn. And then after that, we were more interested in looking into other sort of paranormal things. And shortly after the incident in the cart barn at the golf course, we found ourselves in another frightening situation. And this one all started with Adam, and he's joining us today. So these paranormal incidents from last year's tale and this year's tale happen sometime around the year 2000. I met Adam at the golf course where I worked, and we've been friends ever since. Adam is a couple of years older than me. I was still in high school, and the incident that came to be known as The Shoes started before I ever met Adam. So I think I was a junior in high school. And I, I don't remember how it came up. I'll be honest with you, but it was on a, some, we were, some friends were hanging out and somebody said, have you guys ever heard the story or seen these shoes? And I didn't know what they meant. I was like, what do you mean shoes? And they said, there is a place in the town that we live in that has shoes stuck to telephone poles. And that's all they would tell me. They said, you have to see it to believe it. So it was this urban legend that this man lived in the woods and if he caught you, I guess he killed you, and then he took your shoes and put them on the telephone poles outside of his house, which seems unbelievable. And I said, there's no way. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So my friend said, well, we can go see the shoes. So we went down this road, and it used to be there was really nothing back there, and there was an old horse farm, and you pull up down this dark road. There's no light. There's no street lights anywhere, and you there's two five-foot-tall cut-off telephone poles with a hundred pairs of shoes on them, maybe 50 pairs each, old shoes, kids shoes, tennis shoes, everything you could imagine. And they said, if you back into the driveway, park in between the telephone poles or the shoes, put your car in park and look out your back window, a man will walk down the driveway towards you. You'll see him like a silhouette or something. Yes. He'll, he'll like walk up towards the car. Yes. Because there is, there was a house back there at the time. There was an old I would call it like a cabin. The story was is that you'd park in your brake lights or taillights. You would see somebody or something walking towards you. And then, of course, everybody would take off and they would leave before anybody got to your car. So sure enough, I don't know what. It was just one random night. We went out there. at I don't know what. It was dark. There's the shoes on the poles. I didn't believe them. Nobody got out of the car. And we backed up to the telephone poles. And you're sitting right next to them. There's no gate. There's nothing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I saw some man walking, <laughs> walking down, but I swear there was something and we left. Would you say, did you see something or was it more of a presence that you felt? No, I would say there was something like there was something there. So Adam had this experience in high school. And before we keep going, I want to describe the shoes themselves in a little bit more detail because it's kind of a difficult thing to imagine if you don't have a photo of them. They were initially described to Adam as telephone poles with shoes on them. 
that's a good place to start, but just imagine a wooden telephone pole and someone cut off five or six feet from the telephone pole and they had two of them. So you're left with two wooden posts that are about five or six feet tall. They could have held up a gate like they're on either side of this dirt driveway, but there is no gate. There was no gate. There's no evidence of a gate, but I want you to see these two wooden posts in your mind before we add the shoes to them. And then you take a shoe and you nail it to the post and it's done in a very ordered, specific, intentional fashion. Like it's not just like nailed through the middle of the shoe. It's nailed in at the heel and then the shoe is hanging toe down. And then if you were to start at the top of one of the posts and you nail a shoe into the post and then you nail a shoe directly next to it and then you do that all the way around the top of the post, you would have like a row of shoes and then beneath that, there would be another row of shoes, and those rows of shoes would go all the way to the ground. So you actually could not see any of the wood on these posts. They are completely covered in shoes. And the shoes kind of fanned out and created this effect, almost like there were leaves hanging from this post, or maybe like feathers on a bird or something like that. Like there was a strong pattern to how the shoes were arranged. And these were not modern shoes. These looked like old shoes, and they had been through a lot of weather. They're really dirty. They're almost all kind of the same color. And so both of these columns are completely covered in shoes. And there's one on each side of this dirt driveway. And then what you do is you back in between them. So when you're sitting there looking for this phantom in your back window, one column of shoes is on the right side of your vehicle, and one column of shoes is on the left side of your vehicle. So if you roll down the window, you get a really good look at the shoes. Okay. I just wanted you to have a clear image of the shoes before we move to the next part of the story. So Adam had this experience in high school, and then a few years later, he's working with me at the golf course. The stair incident and the recording, that happened. That like kickstarted an interest yes. for us. And then we were like in the middle of like taking pictures of the of the clubhouse at night, going out on the golf course, with out into the field out there. And then at some point in time, I remember being like, I think we were talking about... This is going to sound crazy, but we were talking about the Wendigo. Josh, our friend that worked with us at the golf course, he also experienced the stairs with us. He claims that he had a Wendigo in his front yard. Now, my understanding of a Wendigo is like a spirit or like a more of a humanoid being. There's a story about the Wendigo in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, a book that a lot of people have read. And I think it was taken from some sort of Native American folklore, but... Josh's version of the Wendigo is different from anything I've ever heard. It's a tiny, hairy, bipedal creature. It's like a tiny Bigfoot. It's not really important to this story. It does kind of let you know the headspace we're in. And I love that's the sort of thing that held our attention back then. That got us talking about the Wendigo. And then I think one day I was just like, oh, I know this. Have I ever told you guys about this story of this guy that kills you and takes your shoes? And I think you were like, no, but what what are you talking about? And I said, well, I can tell you, but let's go, I'll go show you. And then I, the only problem is I don't remember who went with us the first time. I know it was me and you. I feel like Josh was there, but we went. This is what happened. And Adam agrees with this version of events. It was me, Josh, Adam, and someone else that worked there with us named Brian. Brian was sort of the new guy at work, but we'd all become friends. He was not involved with the stairs at all, but he was going to tag along with us to see the shoes. We all went in Adam's truck. And he had this like small red pickup truck and we all piled into the front seat. So it was like four guys piled into the front of this truck. Adam was driving. It was 
probably between 1 and 2 a.m., we intentionally went and did these things very late at night. We head out to find these shoes, and and in my mind, it never occurred to me that we'd actually find them, but I thought it would be kind of fun to you know get out there and look for them. And it wasn't very far away, but it was off the beaten path. You'd like turn off a main road onto a back road onto another back road, and Adam's telling us, you know, be on the lookout for these shoes, and then there they are, just as I described them earlier. It's dark, so it's really hard to see them. Adam puts his truck in reverse, and he backs into this driveway between the two columns of shoes. And it almost felt like you were driving into the woods, like it was an open area by the road, and then the shoes and the driveway seemed to almost lead into the woods. And there was definitely like an old cabin in the woods back there. It looked like it had been completely abandoned. And so we're sitting between these columns of shoes. He rolls the windows down. Adam is in the driver's seat, obviously, and then Brian is the closest to the passenger window. And then me and Josh were in the middle. I'm right next to Brian. Josh is next to Adam. And, you know, it's just completely quiet. And then Adam tells us the story again of how there's this man that lived in this cabin and he would murder people that came onto his property and nail their shoes to these posts. And that if we paid attention, we might see a light come on in the cabin. And then we would see this silhouette, which was like the phantom of this murderer. And he would try and chase you down. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't feeling that scared. It was more fun than scared. And I think that was the general vibe. But as we sat there and it got quieter and quieter, it just got a little bit more eerie. And then Brian seemed really uncomfortable. And we didn't know Brian that well. In general, he was like, you know, a 17-year-old high school guy, pretty quiet, pretty funny, not someone we had ever seen uh, a lot of emotion come out of. And then he just kind of shrieked and told Adam to leave. And we all freaked out when he did that. And Adam like gunned it out of there. And then while he was driving out of the driveway, Brian like balled up into almost a fetal position in the floor of the truck right next to me and just started shaking. And he was crying. And we drove off. And we were like, did you see something? And he said, yes. But that's all he said. He just sat there in the floorboard of this tiny truck, balled up, trembling. And as we got away, he sat back up. Adam drove us back to our cars, and and we just didn't really talk about it. We just got in our cars and left. And Adam, Josh, and I didn't see anything. But Brian did. And all the fear we felt from the shoes came from witnessing Brian be so terrified. Brian never talked about it. I did ask him about it, but he just said he didn't want to talk about it. So he never talked about what he saw that night. And maybe he was just embarrassed. But I think about you know myself in life when I've been scared or when I've been with someone else that's scared. And I've never seen someone have such a big fear reaction as Brian did that night. And then a little while after that, he moved away. And I tried to find him for this, but I couldn't. And so that's all we have of our experience with the shoes. On that first night anyway. We definitely went back without Brian. We never had another frightening experience. We told a lot of people about what happened. It was fun to talk about. And then somehow the word got out to other people and it got so popular, the police got involved and it became impossible to go see the shoes anymore. You know, we were going out there at two o'clock in the morning and nobody ever said a word to us. But if you've got 10, 15 cars coming out of there constantly, then you couldn't even turn down that road for a while. Like you, they... 
they were waiting. And if you stopped, they pulled you over. So there was no reason that they're not really no reason, but there was no way to go back out there. It just felt like one day it was just like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. And I felt like that was like, I'm going to say that was like 2000 because it all happened in like a six month period. Like it wasn't like drug out for years. I don't think I went back there until maybe four or five years ago. Yes. 15 years after our bizarre experience at the shoes, Adam went back. He found some new people to share the story with. My kids are like, I mean, they are, we watch, they like ghost adventures. They like all the shows. They like to be, I don't want to say they like to be scared, but they, it's, it's fun to them. And so I told them about, I told them about the stairs at the golf course. I told them the whole story about how that happened. And I'm telling them about this when they're probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, right? I couldn't take them to the golf course, right? I couldn't take them out there to show them anything. So I said, oh, well, there's this whole story about these shoes on these telephone poles. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, I want to see it. So we go out there and I, I think we went out like dusk. So I don't think it was dark, dark. But it was like dusk and, I, and we took them and they saw it. I mean, I don't know, seven or eight years old. They weren't like, we stayed in the car. They weren't like freaked out about it, but I thought I think they thought it was cool. That is probably my favorite part about this tale. Whenever I talk to Adam or see Adam, we always talk about these little paranormal adventures we went on like 20 years ago. The shoes, the stairs, the field, the Wendigo. And we don't talk about them in like the way that, you know, we think we encountered some great evil, right? We talk about them in a way, it was really fun. It was a fun way to spend time together. And it was fun to kind of engage in these stories. And I mean, we did get freaked out and some unexplained things happened to us. But more than that, we were kind of building this personal mythology. We didn't know it at the time. That's become really fun to think about later in life. I'm grateful that he shared the urban legend of the shoes with me. And then he went and shared it with his kids. And that's wonderful. And maybe they'll share it with their friends or share it with someone else one day. Like I just shared it with you. Rob Tells Tales is produced by me, Rob Tiffin. I had some additional editing help from Ben Lamb. The cover art is by Marcella Johnson. She also came up with the title of the podcast. Our theme music is by Mitchell Hardage. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at robtellstales.com. This podcast would have not been possible without Ben, Marcella, and Melanie. Thank you, and thanks for listening. Wait, what do you mean? What did the Wendigo sound like? I think it was like this. It would go, Rob! Rob! It says your name. That reminds me. Did, did I ever tell you about that time that that crow started saying my name?